Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And I want to welcome you to Gospel City Church. And what a special time worshiping the Lord. Met me over here, both services. And uh, just thankful for this family that is Gospel City Church. Thankful that you made it here to set your hearts and your eyes and your affections on Christ. Tonight, I, I realized I didn't introduce myself. My name is Micah Klutnadi. I'm the lead pastor at Gospel City, and I'm so glad that you, you've joined us. If this is your first time with us, we'd love to say hey. And There's a meet and greet out in the lobby, and uh, some of our pastors will be down here after the service or just around. Come say hi and uh, let us know you've joined us, but I'm sure you're uh, jumping in with all kinds of stuff with family and friends and uh, maybe you have a, a lot of burdens this Christmas and you're just coming in here kind of weary. I, I believe the Spirit of God wants to encourage you. If he already hasn't, uh, he'll encourage you through his word. Go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'll meet you there in just a few moments. But we've been in a series uh, through the month of December called His Name Shall Be. And we've been looking at the names given to Jesus that were prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. Now, interesting to note, Isaiah gave this prophecy seven centuries before Jesus ever came. 700 years before Jesus was born in a manger, before there was ever Christmas, uh, Isaiah went to King Ahaz and he prophesied of a king who would come. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Would you lift your voice with me and read it from the screen? It says this, for to us, a child is born to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God had a specific plan, and when the fullness of time come, had come, God sent forth his son into the world to be those exact things in the world, the government being on the shoulders of this baby. And through the month of Advent, through the season of Advent, we've been looking at each of those names. I told you that my family, we, we try to regularly uh, pay attention to Advent. And so we have like an Advent wreath sort of like this in my living room. And when we do family devotions, we light the candles. I, I, I said that, you know, in the beginning of the season, my kids are anticipating when we get to light all the candles and particularly the Christ candle, which is the last one to be lit. Another phenomena that I noticed is uh, my, my sons particularly love to blow out the candles, so much so that we've had to learn to regulate it. Uh, okay, Blaze, tonight is your turn to blow out the candles. Or Zion, tonight's your turn to blow out the candles. Or Blaze, you blow out the peace candle, Zion. You blow out the hope candle. And Zion, he was sure to tell me last night, uh, but dad, sometimes I try to blow out the hope candle and the wind just goes across and blows out the peace candle. <laughs> and he wanted to make sure that I, I, I made that distinction. But sure enough, as my wife, we're doing family worship sometimes throughout the Advent season. My wife's pouring out her heart as she's reading scripture or reading uh, the devotional that we're doing. And I'm just sitting in the back kind of like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. As my son's face gets closer and closer to the candle. And sure enough, you know, several of the nights out of playfulness, sometimes just to agitate dad, I think. Sure enough, at some point, 
my sons, blow out the Advent candles. Now, I know it just got dark in here, so if there's any kids in here, it's okay. Just hang, on, hang with me a second. And, and you know, we, we relight the candles and we re-up during family worship time, but it got me thinking last week about another part of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter nine. We didn't look at Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, and this is what Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus came. It says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now, darkness in the Bible is used to describe a world not as it should be. Darkness in the Bible describes a life that has been separated from the God of the universe who created us in his image. Darkness in the Bible uh, describes a people who are not in right relationship with God. And that's exactly where Isaiah and King Ahaz in their day found themselves. There was much political polarization. There was much division between nations. It may interest you to know that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence. 400 years where God did not speak through prophets. 400 years where the people wondered, where is God? Where is this king? Where is our savior? What are we to do? Where is hope? Where is peace? Where is love? Where is joy? And yet it was prophesied in Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah 9 verse 2, that those who walked in darkness would see a great light. Now, I don't know if you can see that flame, but, you know, the Israelites, they were expecting a beam to come from heaven and wipe out the enemy and restore power to Israel. And yet what they got 700 years later was a baby born in a manger in meek and mild Bethlehem came the meek and mild savior of the world. He wasn't as bright as they anticipated, but he was so much brighter than they could have ever imagined. For from that baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger would come hope because he is the wonderful counselor and would come joy because he is the mighty God and would come love because he's the everlasting father and would come peace because he is the prince of peace. And as I thought about Jesus as the light of life, bringing light into a dark world, it got me thinking about this prophecy and what we can consider on Christmas Eve 2022. And here's what I want you to consider this Christmas. The light of Christ is not an unfulfilled prophecy in our past, but it is a reality that determines our future. It's not a prophecy that's unfulfilled in our past, like it was for Isaiah, like it was for King Ahaz, like it was for all of those in darkness in this period of silence, 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus came. And Jesus coming to earth is a reality that determines all of humanity's future. A relationship with this baby born in Bethlehem can alter the destination of your life. 
So I want you to look at John chapter one for a moment. I'm gonna read a couple excerpts from it and then we'll pull a couple short points from it. Let's read John chapter one, verses one through five to start. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump down to verse nine. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And now verse 14, probably one of the greatest Christmas verses in all the world, right up there next to Isaiah 9, verse 6. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now I got three quick points for us to contemplate on this Christmas Eve. The first is this, there can only be one true light. There can only be one true light. How many of you know that we live in a counterfeit culture, counterfeit society, you get that? We got counterfeit toys, we got counterfeit clothes, and we have counterfeit gods. I said to my wife this last week, uh, why we gotta order that on Amazon? I saw boots just like it at the mall. She said, they're triple the price. These are knockoffs. I said, by all means then, hit that order button. Deliver them to my door. Come on, Amazon. Some, some of you are, are, are counting down the hours to tomorrow morning, and you know you're getting a gift from your mom or dad, and you ask for something. You're going to unwrap a brand new pair of Lululemon leggings or joggers, and you're just pumped about it. Some of you are going to unwrap the Target knockoff version. It's okay, because we all put our pants on one leg at a time, no judgment here, okay? But we, we live in a, in a counterfeit culture. We got knockoffs everywhere, and that could not be more true when it comes to God and his creation. God creates Satan counterfeits. God, Jesus, the light of the world is the original. He is true, and anything that's a counterfeit, it, it's trying to mimic something original, and the original is always superior and so that's where religion comes in to the world. Every religion is people walking in darkness, trying to get into a right standing with a God or appease some sort of deity. And here's the truth tonight. If you can earn your way back into a relationship with your God, then your God is not big enough because there is nothing you could do to earn your way back into right standing with the God of the universe. There's enough sin in your pinky finger to condemn you from his presence for all of eternity. And so John in chapter one, verse 14, he says the word, he starts to tell us about the word and you have to ask yourself, who is the word? And because he knew that we live in a counterfeit society, a counterfeit culture, he takes us back to the beginning of time. How do you argue with the beginning of time? And that's what he says. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God 
and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So the word is Jesus. Why is Jesus called the word? Because Jesus is revelation. Jesus is illumination. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God, the light of life coming into a dark world to be the light of the world. He didn't need created because he always was. He was with God. He was God. And nothing was created apart from Jesus. Before time began, he was seated on the throne as king of the universe. Look at verse 9. The true light, John says. He says the true light because there is no other true light. The world is looking for truth. You may have come here tonight looking for truth, or maybe you were drugged here by somebody and you're just kind of checking the Christmas box this year at church. Thanks for coming. So glad you're here. There's good news. The true light, as John says, which gives light to everyone. Jesus wants to give light to everyone. And John announces what's coming into the world. Leads to the second point. There can only be one true light, but the true light is revealed through the incarnation. Verse 14 goes on of John chapter 1. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can you just think for a moment in your mind, try to span the, the, the massive chasm between a king on his throne over the universe before time began and the, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, there was no room for him in the inn. That's a massive gap, a massive chasm. And yet that is what Jesus did for you. Because you could never earn your way into a right standing with the God of the universe, because there is nothing that you could possibly do to get in right relationship with God who created you for a relationship, Jesus came to you. God came to you. God spanned that gap. And he did it in such a humble way that he condescended and he was born in a lowly manger in Bethlehem. And it says that he dwelt among us. He wrapped himself in flesh, human flesh, came in human form, 100% God, but 100% man, and he dwelt among us. He, he walked among the people, the people that he created. He, he was tempted and tried just as you were. He went through the same kinds of temptations through the same trials. He had to learn. He had to grow up. He had to obey his mom. He had to obey his earthly father. All the while, he had a heavenly, perfect father. And so he honored his father by living a perfect life, doing what you could never do so that he could one day take your sin upon his shoulders. Verse 14 goes on. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God is like the weightiness of our God. That's how we know that God is God because his glory is outshining in the world, in the earth. He is reigning in glory and light. Uh, it's the outshining of his inward perfection and his holiness. 
And yet when Jesus came, when that baby was born in a manger, we got a glimpse of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And guess what? He wasn't full of condemnation. He wasn't full of guilt tripping. Jesus was full of grace, which is the free gift of salvation for all who receive. And he was full of truth. And if you're looking for truth this Christmas, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God except through him. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a verse that Paul writes and records in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God before time began said, let there be light. And then his rescue plan finally came at the fullness of time. God sent forth his son into the world that he might live and that he might die and that he might rise again and that he might speak life into your dark, dead soul. It's the power of the gospel. It's the light of the gospel that makes us alive. And it leads us to point number three tonight that I want you to contemplate. The light of Christ gives life to all who receive him. The light of Christ gives life to all who receive him. Look at verse 10. Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Much of the world is infatuated with Jesus, loves the idea of Jesus but they don't want to admit that Jesus is the king of the universe who was on the throne before the world began. You have to come to grips with the truth that Jesus is the living God who came to take away your sin. So many who, who met the light of Christ, they, they sought to extinguish the light. All up into the point where they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, hail, king of the Jews. But look at the next verse, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So what's it look like tonight to receive and to believe in Jesus? You know, Luke chapter 2 that Pastor Brent quoted, the shepherds lowly shepherds in the field, the angels appeared to the shepherds. They rushed to the stable just to get a glimpse of this baby that was born. And upon seeing the baby Jesus, they rejoiced and they left worshiping and praising God. That's what it looks like to receive and to believe. Don't you think it, it looked unbelievable to these shepherds? And yet they caught a glimpse of their savior and they left rejoicing in the hope of the wonderful counselor and the peace and the joy and the love that he can supply. Mary, she pondered all these things in her heart. I want you to 
stop tonight and ponder the goodness of Jesus, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Romans in the Bible talks about receiving and believing the gospel. Romans chapter three says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans six says that the wages of that sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So in Romans 5, 8, he tells us about that gift that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we were still walking in darkness, God came to us, was born among us, walked among us, lived among us, died in our place as a substitute for our sins, and then rose from the dead. God demonstrated his love for you that while you were still a sinner, he died in your place. And Romans chapter 10 says that if you believe in your heart, belief moves you to action. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, Jesus is my Savior, and I desperately need a Savior because I can't live this life on my own or for myself anymore. I gotta give it over to the God of the universe who always was and who came to rescue me. That message, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So I want you to bow your heads all around the room right now. I know there's kids in the room. Kids, there's no greater thing for you to think about than Jesus Christ. And whether or not you have made him the king of your heart, I assume there's people here, many here, who have a great relationship with Jesus Christ. Right now is a moment to ponder in your heart what Christ has done for you. Don't allow the message of the gospel to grow stale or grow old. On Christmas Eve 2022, we worship Christ, the newborn King. But for those of you who are here and you would say, you know what, I am searching for truth. You know what, I do have a lot of hidden sin in my life. You, you know what, I, I, I have been trying to make a counterfeit God or live a counterfeit lifestyle as a Christian. Or maybe you say, I'd give up on God a long time ago because it's impossible to earn my way and I just gotta live my best life. The Spirit of God wants to meet you even now. And so in the quiet of the moment, just say, Lord, I need you. Tell the Lord that you're a sinner. Sin means that you've missed the mark. Everyone in here has missed the mark at some point. Tell the Lord that you've missed the mark and that you need his precious son's blood to cover you. Father, I just... Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for the truth that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and has shown us your glory in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would stir up in our hearts a, a new affection for you tonight. I pray that we would leave 
Yeah, we have lots to do between now and tomorrow morning. Yeah, we have lots of plans. I pray that, Lord, we would leave marveling at the grace of God toward us who walked in darkness. If there's people here tonight who have never professed Jesus Christ as Lord, I pray that your spirit would open their hearts to receive the grace that can only come from you, the living God. Lord, I pray that they would leave pondering things tonight and it would lead to more conversations, that it would lead to a true and real surrender, that it would lead to the light of life spoken, breathed by you, our God, into their heart and soul. I believe you're powerful enough to do it in any person here because the true light came into the world for everyone. So Lord, draw those who need drawn. And we just say that we trust you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.